Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am the host and founder, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Marcia Miller. And here's a bit about Marcia. Marcia is one of those people driving results through collaboration, partnership, and relationships as the executive director and founder of the Residential Home Care Network, a community of elder care providers serving seniors in a residential setting. With a passionate and sincere approach, Marcia's commitment to excellence is service delivery, benefits not only the residents served, but her peers as well. As a dedicated professional and subject matter expert in the area of elder care, Marcia owns and operates Serenity Adult Family Care Home, a five-bed facility in Orlando, and is the creator of our signature course, Spill the Beans. The soft skills training offers step one for those interested in opening their own residential assistant and assistive living facility. Marcia also holds a master's in nonprofit management and leadership from Capella University, summa cum laude, and a BS in marketing from Marymount College. And without further ado, please welcome Marcia Miller to GEMS Podcast. Thank you so much, Genesis. It's so good to meet you. My pleasure, Marcia. So you are definitely a woman on a mission and just really tapping into that caregiving space. So I want to unpack that because sometimes people see caregivers, but they don't see the amount of work that goes into caring for somebody else on top of themselves. Because when you're so busy focusing on somebody else, you forget to care for yourself via self-care. So I want to talk about what does the day and day in the life of a caregiver look like? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, uh, on the best case scenario, you have a fluid day like I did today and there were no hiccups and there were no fires or emergencies. Um, But then we have days where, you know, things happen and you have to send someone out for an ambulance. But we start out in the morning and um, everybody starts about seven in my facility and we go through, we wash up, we get ready for breakfast. Um, We have activity time twice a day. Um, They have a great lunch. I still cook in the facility. And in addition to that, they go through, they have afternoon time as well. And at the end of the day, everybody now goes down about now. So that's why we're doing our Zoom at the end of the day, as opposed to during the day. So what led you to get into the caregiving space? So my Aunt Dorothy was my why. And sad to say, I know you've heard this in the media about um, our seniors being victims of fraud. And we noticed that when that call came in that says, hey, can I borrow money? That's odd. We've never seen that before. We'll come to find out she'd been giving her money to these sweepstakes. And sad to say, she got caught in it and hadn't paid her rent in forever. So long story short, you know, I convinced her to move from New York to Florida, um, which she acquiesced and she did. And um, she was my why. Um, I took care of her for about the initial six years um, alone. She was home and she could take care of herself. I was still working. I was in grad school. 
But then there came the day that I couldn't leave her alone anymore. And I had to place her in a community. And Genesis, let me tell you, if you've never been in one of those communities, you really have no idea what's going on. This was my entree into healthcare. My background is business development and marketing. It has nothing to do with healthcare, um, although she was a nurse. And um, even simple things as getting a bath every day is not done. And so that was uh, new for me. And I wanted more for her. Our family wanted more. And so I looked around and saw the private home model, fell in love with it, um, quit my job, never looked back. I can believe it. Um, my dad went to a rehab facility and then a long-term acute care facility in the middle of the pandemic. And that was a hard time because they weren't allowing visitors inside. And my dad just kept saying he wasn't getting adequate care and treatment and he wanted to come home. And when they finally sent my dad home, he came home with an open bed sore wound. His behind was the color of like a red tomato. His toenails were just grown out and it grown to the part where it was like kind of curving and pressing into his skin. So we had to groom my dad and get him back up. And it was just really hard. And um, it was a it was a tough time for us. Um, My dad ended up passing in November of 2020. But just going through Thank you. Just going through, you know, that trial with him, I had to become a caregiver for my dad for a period of time, along with the help of my husband and my mother, whenever he came home. And it was just horrendous because I was like his entire quality of life changed due to medical negligence. He walked into the hospital three days later, he was paralyzed from the waist down. And it wasn't until we probed and probed and probed to get answers that we realized he had a stroke that went unnoticed and undetected that left him to getting worse. Then we found out that one of the facilities gave him the wrong medication and just all of this stuff. And I just say this to say that when caregivers um, aren't really involved like properly in the care of elderly patients, their symptoms can get exasperated and worsen if you do not listen to them because sometimes they feel like, oh, I'm not being seen or I'm not being heard. And the people they vent to should be listening, but sometimes they're so busy in their own world that they fail to really actively listen and assess the situation. So can you talk about maybe... Um, some situations that you've seen because on your end you have a smaller facility with five beds but someone who has a larger facility who may have 20 to 30 beds you know they may be busy like you know on the go they are and uh, I'll just use my best friend from high school she works in the nursing home as a CNA and it's in the middle of the pandemic and she is going through a horrendous time Um, And even though things are a lot better now, it's impossible for one human being to care for 20 people and do it well. And so, yes, I understand um, if you have um, high acute needs and you need to be skilled, but if you don't, I would encourage families to consider the private home model um, because they're not fully staffed in the larger communities. And at nights, it's even less. And if you're not there to pay attention, uh, please, for God's sake, don't just leave your loved ones and not visit. Um, Stay there. Um, Visit regularly because that's when you're going to hear and know what's going on. I did that for mine. Before I started my own community, 
yeah, I was there all nine o'clock at night. I just pop in because I want to see what's going on here in my community because it's so small. Oh my goodness, if they sneeze differently, I hear it, boom, right away. So we can address it, right? Okay, we just had one situation recently. Had we not been here, this resident would have been in crisis. And the fact that my team was here and she saw her change like this, she immediately caught my attention. We called 911 and we were, if she was in the room by herself, what would have happened? You know, so I'm a big um, advocate for private home communities until you get to the place where you need skills. And when you say private home communities, can you give us a difference between a private home community versus some of the um, bigger ones? Because we've all seen the bigger ones. And sometimes I feel like those, in my opinion, are like a money pit because some of them, it's like you're paying room and board out of college. Like you pay this high price and you have to have a meal plan and all of this. And I'm like, Hey, you might as well do an Airbnb, dude. <laughs> Understood. Um, the, the basic difference is this. here in Florida, we have assistive care and assisted care. So assistive, T-I-V-E, is my community where the owner lives here with the resident. Assisted, T-E-D, you are not required to live with the residents. And assisted kid can be in a private home or it can be in a, a facility that can house 20, 30 or more people. But the assistive care, because we don't take on high levels of care, we live here with the residents. Um, that's, and you can only do five. And so that's the primary difference here. Now, can we take on the same kinds of clients? As long as you feel that you can care for a client with a particular di diagnosis, you can. I love the dementia population because that's what my auntie struggled with. So I got to be well-versed in that area. That is my niche, if you will. But there are some that need mental health. That is not my area. There are some with PTSD and they're uh, military. That is not my area. So you got to know your why and who you're going to serve before you get into this business. And not like you say, people out there just doing it, taking everybody for money. Yes, and I'm so glad. And it must be uh, different living with the patient. So where your facility is, did you, um, are you ever able to leave or is it your actual primary home that you turned into the assistive living? <laughs> yes. It is my actual primary, primary home. And um, so, yeah, I live here and all four of my ladies are here. And they're down the hall asleep. And um, like one of the family members, she came by to visit with her mom. So she's here with her. And that's, I have an open door policy. Here in the state, up until 9 p.m., families can come to visit. And this is her time with her mom. So yeah, she's here. And it just, it's a home. It's family. And that's how I treat it. And I call them my pearls. <laughs> so they're the serenity <laughs> pearls. So I'm what sure. are some of the... Everybody wears pearls every day. We get up, dress up, and we put pearls on. Oh, nice. <laughs> I don't know why. Whenever you said pearls, the image of Kamala Harris just came in my he head whenever um, they were talking about chucks and pearls. Pearl? And I, Yeah. At first, I didn't get it, but then they broke it down that it was a sorority thing, too. Thing. Mm -hmm. 
So with Serenity Care and you living in the home, they're in your primary residence, what type of configurations did you have to do to your home to make accommodations? Sure. So the state has specific guidelines for us, you know, grab bars, you know, those kinds of things for safety. Um, but also, you know, I just don't have rugs in my home. You don't have coffee tables because they have walkers. You know, the rugs become a fall risk. And if you have dementia and you have rugs, they're always trying to pick up something from the rug because a pattern appears to be something. And so you get to know that over time and you're like, okay, that's not going to work. Um, I have shared rooms and I have private rooms. And, um, you know, he had asked about staff. My staff is here um, normally Monday to Thursday, Monday to Friday is from seven to three. And then my weekend staff is here the same. Well, my day staff just broke her tibia. So hence, that's why I had to jump back in. <laughs> so just, just life, you know? But those are the primary things in terms of um, the layout and what you need to do. Um, you'd be surprised. I, I used to think my auntie would not go for a shared room, but you get to the place where they won't go to bed without their buddy because it's company. You know, I have one little lady, as long as the other one is out here, she's not going down. But then once she goes, here they go <laughs> together. You hear them in the morning or in the middle of the night talking to each other. It's, it's company until they don't feel alone. Oh, the buddy system. That is so cute. Um, and I like the fact that it, it's your home, but you make it a home for them because sometimes when you get inside a facility, sometimes the walls, the colors of the wall can trigger them. They're so bland. They're so cold. And there's not a sense of like that home feeling. And I know too, with like caregiving, I've heard um, that sometimes pets can help um, people who are going from their own residence into like a caregiving facility. Sometimes they right. let them have like support animals or they'll right. like playtime. So what are your thoughts around that, Marcia? So it depends on the residence that you have. Um, I am not a pet person, so I do not have a pet friendly community. However, I had one resident a while back and she loved the doggies. So there's a place called Puppy Palace. And so we would just have a trip to the Puppy Palace and she would enjoy her time hugging and kissing and doing all with the puppies. And she had her fix and then we would come on home. Um, the other ones in here don't like it because they're scared of the puppies. Um, but I've had friends bring their puppies on the patio and the lady that loved it would go out. So it just depends on your community whether or not that's going to be appropriate. For me, I don't, I'm not a puppy, puppy place. <laughs> what are the age ranges for your current um, tenants? My oldest resident is 90 and my youngest is, wow, this week will be her birthday. She'll be 67. Oh, wow. Okay. So good, good age range there. And do you primarily um, house female, female, um, tenants? I, I do. My residents are all female and simply because I am not particularly strong and neither is my care team. And if you've ever been in an environment where the men become aggressive, we can't handle it. We can't hold them down. We can't. So I choose to handle the ladies. We understand female issues and we're able to manage that. 
if I were married, I probably would take on both because then I could say, dude, help, help, help. And then (laughs) I could definitely see that because sometimes the men can be very overpowering strength wise. And then whenever they get older, if they have some form of disabilities or they become wheelchair bound, then it becomes that dead weight where it's hard to lift and keep them maneuver. I'll share this with you, Genesis. And this really put it in perspective for me. I went to a training once and I'll never forget this. That's why you have to be so careful who you take on and make sure your staff is properly trained. But she said, and it was a nursing home environment and the gentleman was in a wheelchair and he was rolling down. Just as sweet as he wanted to be. But there was a new um, young lady that was CNA that was being trained and everything. And she knew him, but she ran up on him from behind. And you really shouldn't, but she didn't understand that. And he thought he was being attacked. So he grabbed her from behind, yes, and broke her neck. And I never forgot that. Oh, wow, because he was startled and it was probably just a knee-jerk reaction. He's military. He was trained military. And even though he's in a wheelchair, you don't forget that training. And so sad to say she lost her life that day. Um, So I say that to say for those coming into this space, You really need to understand what you're doing and understand who you're serving and make sure that the folks are trained. And thank you for prefacing that. That's very good information. And our last question before we um, wind down, how do you recommend selecting a long-term care facility for not only the residents, but their family? So both sides feel happy with where their loved one is being placed? So there are a lot of caregiving support services in in different states. Like here in my community, I reached out to an organization called Share the Care. Their focus is caregivers only. They make sure we have respite. You know, they pay for your loved one to go someplace so that you can have a break once a year. So find those organizations that support the caregivers. And then word of mouth is amazing. Talk to someone that's in social work or a nurse. And before you know it, you start getting, that's how I learn. And then go visit. Go visit the communities. Look at the large ones. Look at the small ones. And go with your gut. If your gut tells you, eh, don't do it. Go with your, that little spirit on your inside really is something that really should guide us. I'm telling you, go with your gut. Mm, thank you for sharing that. And I would add, you know, y'all, I'm a proponent of drive-bys. Like I will drive by a facility and pop up on you just so I could see, because mm-hmm. when they know you're coming, they'll prepare everything to look all neat and fancy. Just like if you were visiting your loved one in a long-term acute care, they'll be like, oh, Miss Kemp is coming? Oh, let me get everything. And then they'll they'll come to the room more times. And when you're on the phone with your loved one, You hear your loved one hitting the bell, trying to get service, and no one is coming. But when you're there three times, oh, is there anything I could do for you? Is there anything that you need? You need some juice? You need, and I'm like, now I know doggone well you were not that attentive. (laughs) So, real talk, Miss Genesis, real talk. 
So I tell people do do a drive do a drive by and just roll up on them. And I'm not saying a drive by in a crazy way, y'all. Don't take it out of context. But right. sometimes you have to do something that is unorthodox and outside of the box just to really see if their game is what it is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So now for our call to action, Marcia, I want you to leave the listeners and viewers with your call to action for this segment. So for me, I would like to inspire anyone that's interested in starting in this business, but have no idea what your step one should be. I've created the Spill the Beans curriculum. Um, They can get to it at ceocaregiver.com. And basically what I do is I go through everything from your why, um, your financial worksheet, your business plan, and I put a copy of my business plan and my financial worksheet as part of the course. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And at the very end of the course, you have my contact information. I will guide you through the rest of it. So to me, it's it's a win-win. Amazing. And for those who are interested in connecting with you on a social platform, where do you hang out primarily on social media? I'm on IG at CEO Caregiver and Doc CEO Caregiver. Of course, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. But if you put in CEOCaregiver.com, you go straight to my website. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. You just heard Marcia Miller, and we talked about caregiving, and we talked about assisted living versus assistive living. And we will definitely bring Marcia back for a part two to talk about another um, subject, maybe social security, because it's not going to be there when people my age get older. So you definitely got to plan for the future. But until then, make sure you subscribe and share this segment. We're on 40 plus platforms and follow us on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And we're actually looking for brand sponsors to continue the mission of the podcast. So for those who want to contribute on a monetary basis, you could find out more information on the website at genesisamariskemp.net. And we are taking donations for new podcast equipment so I could continue to bring on more subject matter experts and just do it in an environment that is really conducive. So until we chat next time, ciao. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.